Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the beauty, the beauty of this day, Lord. That even in the midst of the cool and the cloudiness, Lord, that your light breaks through. We pray that your light would break through into our hearts this morning as well, Lord. And that you would color them with your beauty, with your presence, with your holiness, with your righteousness. Lord, we turn to you now and ask for the gift of ears to hear and hearts and minds to understand and receive your word, that our lives might be transformed, that we might be set free from the bonds of sin and darkness and be brought into your kingdom of light and peace. And we commit ourselves to you now and ask for this great and mighty work to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so exceptional to see you all today. Well, when I was a kid, I don't know how it was when you were a kid, but when we were going to play a pickup game of soccer or football or baseball or basketball or badminton or checkers or whatever, what you'd do is you'd pick the best two players, right, and you'd make them captains. And then each of them would then go through and pick the other players of the team. Did you guys do it this way? Yeah? No? Yes? Okay. And the reason you took the two best players to be captains is why? You didn't want them on the same team. That's right. Unless it happened to be your team, and then you were fine with it. You know, of course it was fair that way. But, no, you wanted them to be on separate teams, and then you would go through the picking of players to make sure the teams were basically equal. It's kind of like the NFL draft, right? And we know it always works out with equality. Right? Everything always works out perfectly, unless you're the Browns. Now, um, now I don't know if there's a worse model, though, for developing teams than putting this in the hands of children. Right? I mean, really. You're, you say, okay, we're going to pick our two best players, and then they're going to go through everyone and expose who they think is better than the other players. Right, we're gonna, we're gonna see who they pick the first and who gets left till the end. Isn't that a great model for youth? Right, it really brings out the best in us. No, not at all. Right, because the decisions aren't made with, well, this kid's a really nice kid. Right, oh, wonderful character. No, it's like, who's gonna help me win this game? Right, and that's how you do it. I can remember sitting there in that pack of people, that dwindling pack of people, as like my other, the other people, they were getting picked for teams and wondering, am I going to get picked? When am I going to get picked? Where am I going to shake out in this social hierarchy? Right, that feeling, that icky, awkward feeling of uncertainty, wondering if you'll be last, wonder if you'll be the only person there standing alone who's in goes, okay, you get this person, right, as a cast-off. Or maybe there's an uneven number of players and you're just the sub, right? Think of the implication of the word sub, like substitution, but then under, under, right? You're under everyone else. It's a horrible feeling, being left to the end, being standing alone and being left out. It feels horrible. And in our passage from the book of Acts today, we have an amazing account of a person who in some ways society had done its shaking out 
And he was standing alone. He was alone, isolated and cut off. Now in this account, we have the newly ordained deacon Philip, who is directed by the Lord to get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he gets there. Philip picks up and heads on out there. And he is in the wilderness, chilling out and waiting. And along comes an Ethiopian eunuch. Now this one was a court official of the Candace, who was the queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of her entire treasury. Now why would you put a eunuch in charge of your treasury? You guys know what a eunuch is, right? Okay, do we need to get into that? Physiology or anything? Jan could explain us here. She's a medical professional. She can get her up with a microphone. No, why would you do it? Why would you put a eunuch in charge of your treasury? He was harmless. Harmless, right? Harmless. Yeah, in the ancient world, it was considered safer. Safer to put a eunuch in your trust, to put your trust in a eunuch, right? Uh, Depending on the role, eunuchs typically began as slaves who were then forcibly and against their will castrated. Now, I can't imagine many people would do this with their will or willingly, but yes, the eunuchs were forced to do this. They were castrated against their will. And this was done because a eunuch was often looked down on in their culture. And so they would depend upon their master for status. They would depend upon their position and doing the position well to have status in their culture and among their peers. Also, They were looked down upon in the culture, and so if the eunuch happened to start acting independently and doing what they wanted and looking in their own, out for their own interests instead of their master's interests, if they happened, if they had to be jailed or killed or whatever the master would do to them, then culture wouldn't really judge the master for doing that. Because nobody really liked the eunuchs anyway. Right? They found themselves in a eunuch position. Oh no, that was bad. That was bad. Right, and the third reason you would put a eunuch in charge of all your stuff is, how many descendants are they going to have? How many heirs? How many children that they're going to be looking out for and needing to leave something behind for them? Nothing, that's it, end of the line with the eunuch, right? And so you don't have to worry about nepotism. You don't have to worry about them trying to build an empire for themselves because they are the end of the line. But as you can imagine... This relationship had some downsides for the eunuch himself, right? There were a few downsides for that poor eunuch. So Philip sees this guy who's gone to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, but couldn't go into the temple because he was a Gentile, first of all, and because he was castrated and you couldn't go in the temple if you're castrated. And so he's heading home and he's sitting in his chariot and he's reading from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit directs Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip does. Runs over there. Runs over. He's he's pacing the chariot. And he asks the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? Right? Do you get what Isaiah is saying? And I can tell you what. I wish I had Philip around every once in a while. Right? When I So I could ask. So he could come to me and say, Seth. Do you understand what Isaiah is saying? And I could say, no. 
I need your help, Philip. I, pre- I would appreciate that. But so he asks this question, and the eunuch replies with the most beautiful sincerity to his question. He says, how can I, unless someone guides me? Unless someone guides me. What a beautiful statement. He didn't bluff. He didn't turn away Philip. He said, how can I, unless someone guides me? He needs a guide. And so he invites, with this, he invites Philip into his chariot. And they look at the passage together. And the passage says this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch has a question about this. He wants to know who the prophet Isaiah is writing about. Who's speaking in this passage? Is it Isaiah speaking about himself? Or is Isaiah speaking about somebody else? So then Philip, with this question, begins to explain how this passage is speaking about Jesus and about his plan to take on himself the sins of the world and to redeem all creation and to offer eternal life through his name. And I'm sure this explanation took Philip back just a couple verses in Isaiah to this passage, which says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone away. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm sure that was a part of Philip's explanation of who... Isaiah was referring to and what the purpose of that person was, that Messiah, that suffering servant who would die for the sins of the world. And through passages like this, the eunuch shared, or Philip shared with the eunuch the hope of Jesus Christ and his atoning death. Now that is super awesome, right? Super awesome how Philip does that. But I've often wondered why the eunuch would choose the passage that we have quoted that I read earlier in our passage instead of the one I just read to you about the carried our sorrows and all that kind of stuff. Why would he read the other one? Because the other one seems like a much less compelling passage. Remember, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. This is interesting, but not on the same level, I don't think, as the other one. So why would Philip choose this? Why would he choose this? Or not Philip, why would the eunuch choose this passage? Why would this be the one he asked the question about? Well, I think that there's something about this passage that connected with that eunuch. There was something in the description of the suffering Messiah that connected with his own life experience. There was something about this passage that the Lord was speaking to the eunuch through. 
It touched him and moved his heart to God. Right, and really, that's how God works. He takes passages, they might be obscure to somebody else, but to us, they speak to us. They speak to some need or some pain or some hope or some desire in our lives. And they reach us in a way that other things don't. And that is, I believe, what was happening to this eunuch, because the eunuch knew what it was to have justice denied him. He knew what it was like to be humiliated. He knew what it was like to be like a sheep led to the slaughter and to have his descendants cut off from him. He knew what it was to be the end of the line. You see, this eunuch had just come from Jerusalem and he knew that he could never go into the temple even if he became a Jew. He knew that his hope could never be completely fulfilled. But what what he might not have known, but he would surely have happened upon if he kept plugging away in his reading of Isaiah, is that in three chapters, Isaiah would offer a very specific hope to this eunuch as well. Isaiah chapter 56 tells us, And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. You see, God had planned to give hope to those who were cut off, to give life to the lifeless, And this eunuch was to be the first fruits of a new generation, one that was enacted in Jesus Christ, the Savior who had been cut off for him. Now, we don't do this eunuch thing here in America, right? Which is good news, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But we certainly know what it feels like in our own lives to have our hope stolen from us or to experience injustice, right? Maybe it's through loss. Maybe it's through being left out or being picked last. Maybe it's through death, right? The death of a loved one that that stole from us hope for the future. Maybe it's through just lack of opportunity or, or mistakes that we've made which have closed doors which previously had been open. Or maybe, like this eunuch, it's the inability to have children, that is stealing our hope from us, or has stole it from us. God offers us hope in his son Jesus Christ, the one who, like a sheep, was led to the slaughter, the one who has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and by whose wounds we are healed. The Lord God offers us hope through that Savior Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, is that in Christ, we have been picked for God's team. We are no longer standing on the sidelines watching. We are engaged. We are part of something. We are brought into a family which is larger and more profound and more hope-filled than anything we can imagine. An eternal family with God as our Father. So with this in mind, let us bring our fears, let us bring our hopelessness, Let us bring our anxieties to the Lord. And may he take our death upon himself and give us his life.
exchange our name full of its bad history and failures with the name he will give us, which is full of hope and potential and eternity. And may our lives and our hearts be transformed in this exchange. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for taking Philip from where he was and bringing him to this wilderness road to meet in some ways an insignificant person, Lord, someone whose society would have looked down upon, a person of influence and power, but a person who could have that taken away from him at any moment, who knew that it was a passing thing, everything he was entrusted with. Lord God, we come to you now. We come to you now with our own weaknesses, our own infirmities, our own anxieties and fears, our own experiences, Lord God, of being cut off from the rest of the world, Lord, from being left out, from being left empty, Lord. We come to you and ask that you would take us, take our fears, take our anxieties, Lord, take our hopes and dreams as well. Take them, Lord God. And may they die and be resurrected into new life, Lord, that we might be filled with an eternal hope and an eternal joy and an eternal faith which will lead us, Lord, through this turbulent and confusing world. Lord, thank you for offering hope to this eunuch. And we pray that you would offer us your hope today as well. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.